morning. Randy always says, saved from what? The Revelation 20, verse 10. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Matthew eight twelve. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Just a few thoughts. God is love. He wouldn't send anyone to hell, right? If the devil could conceal the reality of a true hell, this lack of fear brings his victim a step closer to eternal damnation. On modern churches, please tickle my ears. Don't tell me about hell or I won't be back. Remember, war is still waged against the children of God. Now, the true children of God are safe and secure, but their suffering is a pleasure to Satan. And any he can convince not to accept Jesus will go with him to the lake of fire forever. And consider this. Inaction is an action within itself. I pray this is a blessing and magnification of grace to the believer, and I apologize if this seems harsh to others. If it does feel harsh, may it be a healthy fear that saves you from this very real place. This is a fictional story, but all I know is the Bible says hell is a very real place, and there will be agony and gnashing of teeth for eternity. This is entitled, My Worst Best Day Down Under, Fire and Brimstone. I know my motives weren't pure, but heck, I was a pretty good guy. Everybody called me Big Ted, probably because I was soft-spoken and as gentle as a teddy bear. I didn't mind, although it supplied my bar buddies with some good ammunition at times. My trip to church was not my first choice for a date with Sally, but it seemed to be my only option when I asked for the fourth time. So there I was, and that wasn't bad enough, but apparently the pew right on the front row had Sally's name on it. I had met Sally at the doctor's office. As we both waited what seemed like forever, my eyes got tired of reading magazines, and I decided to small talk with someone to pass the time. I asked Sally if she liked passing the time in a holding pen as well as I did, or if she wasn't just a little frustrated too. She replied, yeah, I wasn't hungry when I got here, but I'm about to starve to death now. We both laughed and talked another 15 minutes before her name was finally called. There was something very special about her that made me feel safe. We didn't cross paths again that day, but I just happened to find myself at the local donut shop where I heard she worked. Although she was gracious with a big smile, she shot me down like a trophy elephant three times in a row. The fourth time I asked, she said, Okay, yeah, but I decide where we go. I said, Okay, but little did I know it meant Sunday night revival service at the very church I went to as a little boy.
At that time, I vowed I'd never set foot in there again. Mom always took me under duress, and I never felt anything but strong-armed into something I didn't want to do. Yeah, I heard of this man called Jesus, but I wasn't about to give control of my life to this unseen entity. Besides, I saw plenty of hypocritical people in that building. I could do my own thing and at least not be considered two-faced by my bar buddies. As the first song of the revival started, I thought to myself, little does she know, I have no interest in her God. I was only interested in her. As the last hymn finished and the preacher stood up, Sally smiled at me and grabbed my hand. The preacher looked up and began to speak. He started off telling me many of the old things I had heard before. Jesus died for you. Jesus is coming again. We're all born sinners. You must give up your life and carry your cross. But all of them sounded unappealing to me. Then, all of a sudden, my already high blood pressure felt like it was skyrocketing. I was sweating bullets, and my tie was choking me. I wondered if I should leave, but then I realized I couldn't stand up. I looked at the pastor, and his soft, loving eyes turned into harsh, cold glare. And as if there were no one left in the room, he was looking deeply into me. His voice became clearer and stronger than any I had heard before. And with every passing second, it got louder and louder. Escape was futile. The last thing I knew, my vision was blurring, and I was leaning on Sally. Then I saw it. Unconscious or conscious, I did not know. But it was more real than any nightmare I had ever experienced. There before me was a giant iron door. Everything in my being told me not to approach, but my legs were not under my control. I got closer and closer until the latch mysteriously slid to the side and the creaking hinges opened the massive door. I could distinctly read the sign above the door. One-time passage only. Then as I came to the threshold made of human sin, I could peer in with complete clarity. Before me laid blasphemies of the most vile human atheist the world had produced to, defa to defame Jesus Christ. Now I knew that where I was, but my earthly decision to make no decision was final with no hope of reconsideration. I couldn't close my eyes, even though I tried. Anything would be better than what I saw. I started to turn and run, but I looked back and my heels were hanging over a great precipice and only thing holding me up were slimy talons trying to push me through. I was even with the threshold looking in, but an invisible plane held me back. I could clearly see the horrifying scene waiting for me. There was an eerie absence of anything good as an unseen cold talent smashed my nose into the invisible plane. The plane was like a pane of glass, but it had what seemed to be liquid qualities, and my nose popped through with my face stretching the surface, threatening to break through. I could now clearly see people crying out and reaching for me. I could feel what they were feeling. The dread and hopelessness was overwhelming. Although I couldn't see myself, I felt dirty and ugly. 
A second after my nose popped through, I could smell the stench of rotting, burning flesh. The sickening smell made me nauseous immediately, and although I wanted to faint, I couldn't. That luxury was taken away also. My head was finally pushed through, and I could hear the wailing and crying, and the temperature felt to be 150 or more. The more I saw, the more my anguish intensified, because now the screams made me realize they were screams of no future hope or relief. Now these quotes from the atheists who now resided here, they were placed in perfect rows with letters written with the blood of those who wrote them. The quotes were stacked in perfect order, so those that walked or were dragged in could clearly see them and realize they were being mocked. I was made to know that once I entered, all of my sins I ever committed would be replayed visually, and the ghoul commentator of choice would give a play-by-play of the disgusting events. Everyone would finally know the real me. My hands felt like they were melting as they too started to sink into the invisible plane, and the pressure applied to my back intensified with what felt like an ostrich foot. My head now completely through let me see a full 180 degrees. As I looked side to side, all I saw was physical torture and mental anguish. The mental anguish was the offer of rest. A sign read, Holiday Inn. And there was a bed made of barbed wire below it. There was much mocking, jeering, and applause as the prince of darkness and his fiends enjoyed the suffering of their captive slaves. There was no more spiritual warfare because there was no more hope to fight for. There was no longer any love. Hate and disdain were the only emotions besides fear present. My body was now compressed against the invisible plane and had it stretched to what seemed to be its limit. As I tried to drop my head, it was apparent my chin was being held up by what looked like a large frog gig, and I was forced to watch as all kinds of perversions were administered to the victims. The tormentors were drunk with depravity, and virtually nothing was left undone. As I heard more screams of desperation, all I wanted was any escape, but even suicide eluded me. Just then, I felt ample pressure on my back to shove me on through. But at the same moment, like a flash, I was snatched back. I felt a jolt of energy rush through me. My eyes flew open, and I took a deep breath. Instantly, I remembered the large, nail-pierced hand that saved me. Christ himself rescued me. The jolt I felt was real. My heart had stopped, and I knew my vision was more than a nightmare. The MTs and the crowd who wondered if the man was dead now saw him stand up, walk to the altar, and fall to his knees. Someone said it was exactly 11 minutes and 6 seconds until I was revived. I don't know who timed it, but I later calculated how many seconds that was. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we dream of heaven And we've been taught, we've read in your word, and we know in our hearts that it's a very real place. So the alternative is 
most likely real also. Eternal separation from you, Lord. Nothing could be worse. I pray, Lord, that those who heard this, their ears and their heart were open only to the words that they were supposed to hear and the rest be negated, Lord. I pray that there's no injury that comes from this, but only contemplation and thought and possibly a work of salvation occurring, Lord. So I pray now, Lord, that as we go into the rest of this, Lord, and we hear Randy deliver the good news, which he does all the time, and I thank you for that, Lord. As we hear that, Lord, let us praise your name and let us be intent on hearing what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.